0: We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart from verse 12 to verse 30. Philippians 2:12 through 30. And it says, Therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, But not much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served me with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one Minister to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I shall have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this day, thanking you for your word, Lord Jesus. Um, and thank you for your principles and your guidance, Lord. May you um, clear our minds and our hearts, Lord, so that we may minister, that your word may minister to our hearts, Lord. Um, I just pray that you guide us through the Holy Spirit now as we come before your throne, Lord, and and hear your word, Lord, and once again, hear your principles and what you want for our lives, Lord. We commend this service and all our families into your hands, and in your name we pray, Jesus Christ, amen. You may have a seat. Good morning to you all. God bless you this morning. So we continue in the book of Philippians. We're going to finish chapter 2 today. Um, We're going to go from 2 verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Um, And hopefully in the next two weeks we'll finish chapter 3 and chapter 4. So let's get right into it. So we continue once again, as you all know, as we've been talking about Paul has been incarcerated. He's been in jail in Rome while he writes his epistle um, to the church in Philippi, right, to his brothers in Philippi. And as we saw last week, right, we saw those great verses when it talked about Jesus, how he came to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and how he put aside um, his privileges and honor as God in order to serve his creation, right, in order to serve his creation, and was obedient to the point of death and death on the cross. So now we have Paul, starting with verse 12, um, talking about the joy he has um, with the church and the fact that they obeyed God and um, are faithful to the Lord in their service. So let's start with verse 12. The verse 12, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you has always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but not much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So as we saw last week, it was not only when Paul was there, right, that they um, lived a life of integrity, lived a life of faithfulness. um, But even when Paul was not there, right. Um, But it does not stop there. He says, whether I'm there or not, work out your own salvation. Excuse me, with fear and trembling, right? They were to live out their salvation with fear and trembling. The Greek word here means to continually work on or to bring something to fulfillment, right? A process. It is a process, right? It does not mean to work out to receive salvation, right? Because we know very well um, in the word it says um, that it's not by works but by faith that we are saved, right? Right? it is not by works, but we are just because we are saved, we are to work out our salvation in good works, right? Um, it does mean that we have a responsibility to work out our salvation um, as we are sanctified, right? And that's what sanctification is it's a process, right? Justification is when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So, position wise, you are saved for eternity, eternal life, right? Uh, But sanctification is an ongoing process of basically you here on this earth are becoming more and more Christ like. Right. And how do we do that? Well, we have a responsibility, as Paul says here, to be obedient daily to God's word and follow his will. Right. And if we fall, if we mess up, we get up, ask for forgiveness, repent, change whatever we need to change and continue moving forward. Right. Like it says in. We have a few verses to back this up. Romans 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 19, where it says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness unclean, and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Right? So you were before you were saved, um, in human terms you presented your members or your body right as slaves of uncleanness but now that you're saved present those same members as slaves of righteousness for holiness right so it's not your body that changed right it's your intention and what you do with it right and what you do with your life also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses uh, 24 to 27 it says do you not know, and you guys have heard these verses before? Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, right? Eternal life. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself shall become disqualified, right? So it's an intentional decision of the will to be like, I'm going to run this race and I'm going to run the well for the Lord, right? It's intentional every single day to say, yes, I'm in this body. And we see Paul, that him being in the flesh of all you, the greatest Christian to ever live, says, I do what I don't want to do and what I don't want to do, I do. Right. Because we're in this flesh. Right. As long as we're on this earth and we fight this battle. He always uses race, this marathon until the Lord takes us. Right. We will fail. We will fall. We will sin. We will disappoint. We will disappoint each other, fail others, fail ourselves, fail the Lord. As long as we're in this body. Right. It's part of the life that we're in. But he says, no, you keep on battling, right? Beat this body into discipline, beat into subjection so that it does the Lord's will, right? And that's an intentional um, decision to discipline your life. Also, we see lastly, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, all the way at the bottom. This is great chapter it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Right, That knowing that you live for the Lord, if you live a life separated from the Lord in holiness, a life of holiness, it is not in vain, even though some will say so. Right? And that's the fear, I think, of many people, that why they don't accept the Lord, because they don't want to leave their sinful nature. They say, being a Christian is boring. Following the Lord is boring. I can't do this. I, it's a list of I can'ts. I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that, right? Why? Live life, right? You only have one life, live it to the fullest. Eat, drink, and what? Be merry until the Lord takes me, right? The Lord says, no, live for me, and you'll be happier than you ever think, right? Especially um, apart from what the Lord promises. So this is work in fear and trembling, right? It's a process of sanctification, um, and this is not, it is a healthy fear of not offending God and a righteous awe and respect for who He is, right? It's like a, a child to a parent. Be like, I don't want to offend or disappoint my parent. I don't want to sin, right? And it's a fear also of who He is, right? Um, you know, nowadays the world says, well, why should you fear God? He's a loving God. They have this image, uh, it's like a Disney image, right? of an old guy with a big white beard that's loving, kind of like a Santa Claus type figure. Um, Which is, you see, loving? Yes. More than I can even, we we can even comprehend. Is he merciful? Yes. More than we can comprehend. But sometimes we forget that he is a just God. What does that mean? That means that he is fair and just, that if there's sin it has to be paid for, right? And there are consequences for it. Alright? And sometimes we forget that. So it's with that fear of not wanting to disappoint the one who saved me, right? The one who loved me so much that he died on the cross, but also a fear of who he is and his nature and his essence, that he is a just God. And that one day with that fear every single day, first of all, that he sees over us, and second, that we would be held accountable to Jesus for all that we do in thought, in what we say, and what we do. Now, praise God that our salvation is not based on that. It's based on his righteousness imputed on us. Because i would be the first to say from here, in thought alone, I would be rejected from heaven. The one preaching up here, in thought alone, let alone act or deed. Right? Because people say, I'm a good person. But when you tell them, how about your thoughts and your intentions? We all fell off the bat. Like Pastor Alex says, we failed before we even start, Right? Um, So thank God that our salvation, our eternal life is not based on those things. But once again, to be obedient to him, right? To live out our lives, our Christian life, our sanctification in fear and trembling. Right? And that takes us to verse 13, Philippians 2.13, where it says... For it is God who works in both you to will and to do his good pleasure, right? Ultimately it is God who does the work in the believers, not in your own strength, and he does it for his good pleasure and for his glory. It is him who works in you. In John chapter fifteen, verses four through five, these are some beautiful verses, right? It says, Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you, us, we are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Right? So how do we live for him a life of sanctification? It's only through him and abiding in him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And we spoke about this last week, right? One spirit, one God, one baptism um, of one mind, right? But the same spirit, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Right? through the power of his holy Spirit he gives a church and each believer the power to freely obey his commandments and I found a verse that I actually I've read it before and actually you read it from up here while we're reading the Psalms it was such a beautiful verse Psalm 110 verse 3 Psalm chapter 110 verse 3 right And many times we think many people see a Christian life and think we have to we have to. Um, but in verse 3, that we have to live for him, right? That it's an obligation instead of a willing decision. Psalm 110, verse 3, it says, Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of morning, you have the dew of your youth. So this talks about they will volunteer to do your will. Right? If you love the Lord, if you become closer to the Lord every single day, it's not a burden to follow him. It's a privilege, and honor, a delight, actually, to follow him. And you voluntarily, you voluntarily, intentionally live for him every single day, right? Um, And what does that do? Like we said in the beginning, at the end of that verse, Philippians 2.13, it brings him good pleasure. So if you want to put the smile on the Lord's face, live for him and obey him in all. So now we get to verse 14. So how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to live for the Lord, right? Verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing. Must I say more? <laughs> do all things without complaining and disputing, right? Without an attitude or without an attitude or questioning his will for you. Right? Without complaining or grumbling is an emotional response, right? Ugh. Uh, really, I got to do this again? And disputing is an intellectual questioning of his will. Right? So without complaining, without your heart complaining or your mind disputing his will, do everything with goodwill, right? And, and rejoicing. So when you grumble and you dispute, right, your heart and your mind are saying, nope, God, I don't want to do your will. And guess what follows? all that beauty that you call your body, right? Whatever's in your heart and your mind eventually comes out in action or deed. Right? So thats it's very interesting that it talks about the complaining, which comes from the heart and disputing and criticizing the word of God and his will for you, right? So do things with a good attitude, with an intentional attitude to follow him and love his word and love his statutes, right? So we are to do it without complaining and disputing why verse 15 says why that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked perverse nation among a um, generation among whom you shine as lights in the world right so we are to be blameless and harmless or innocent and above reproach as paul we already said we saw that in chapter 1 verse 10 of Philippians, right, to be innocent and and blameless. And actually the Old Testament word is without blemish, without blemish and pure, right? And we have examples of that in the word, Matthew chapter 10 verse 16. Matthew chapter 10 verse 16. Second, Matthew chapter 10 verse 16. Where it says, Therefore, befall, behold, and we're talking about perverse generation, right, that we go out into. Behold, I sent you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Right? Right, Anna? Amen? <laughs> Therefore, we've got to teach our kids this, right, especially nowadays. Be wise as serpents, right? Don't be a fool. Right? Many people see Christians, and I, I've heard it. You Christians are fools. Da, 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 da. Sometimes we are. Sometimes I heard some believers that have no concept of the outside world of what's going on. I, don't, you know, I only study the word of God, and that's all I study. Amen. Good for you, overly spiritual person. But you've got to know what's going on around you, right? Some people are too, what, what is that word? In Spanish, I know. It. Heavily bound that they are no earthly good. Their mind is up in the clouds and up in heaven. And that's beautiful. Listen, read the Word of God and study it. But be practical, right? Know what's going on around you and be wise. I, I don't know how was I, was. I was talking to uh, uh, the security guard at my boy's school. And we were talking about the neighborhoods we grew up in, right? He grew up in a, a pretty bad part of Patterson, New Jersey. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles, right? It was, it was a pretty rough neighborhood. And we were talking about, I don't know if our kids would... <laughs> I don't know if they last a week in the neighborhoods, right? And my mom, by faith, would send us out walking about half an hour to middle school in a gang-infested communities and hope that we will come back. And we did every day, but we were streetwise, right? It's kind of that wisdom of just like, stay away from this, stay away from that. If you see something happen, stay on the other. That's called wisdom, right? Um, survival instincts almost. So he was like, be wise as serpents, right? As believers, Right? Don't be as naive, right? That the whole world is good. No, as a believer, that's the first thing you should know that the world is not good. That's the reason he died on the cross, right? The world is not good, it's evil, it's selfish, it's after its own pleasures, right? So be wise, but also be harmless as doves and sweet and loving, right? Doesn't mean you have to be cold. So we see that in Matthew 10:16, but in Romans 16:19, we also see an example of this: Romans chapter 16 verse 19 where it says for your obedience has become known to all therefore I am glad in your behalf but I want you to be wise once again in what is good and simple concerning evil right so being wise and simple concerning evil and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly right so it's always trusting in God And being wise, and lastly, Ephesians five twenty seven. Ephesians five twenty seven. It says, and this is talking about the church, right? But this is the way we, as a church, should present ourselves, that He might present her to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish, right? So blameless and without um, blemish. But why, right? We are to live a holy life, um, a sanctified life, without grumbling, without complaining, um, so that we could be blameless and harmless. But what's the end result that we're blameless and harmless? Children of God without fault in the midst of a what? Crooked nation. In the midst of a crooked nation, which, thank God, that was in Paul's time, but not us, right? (laughs) That was sarcasm, guys. Yeah, you can laugh. (laughs) My goodness, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Deuteronomy 32, verse 5 says, They have corrupted themselves. They are not... His children, everyone that tells you we are all children of God, this goes against that. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish or their sin, right? Um, Because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation, right? So the people, those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they are not his children. Are they a creation of God? Yes. They are his creation. They are not children of God, right? Because of their blemish, they are still dead in their sins, right? Until they accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. But here, once again, he talks about this perverse generation, right? A generation, uh, the word used there is a generation that has strayed from the standard, right? Which basically, that's what sin is, strayed from the standard, um, the standard of God. And what he says is right and wrong. Wrong. Um, And we, at the end of that verse, it says, In the midst of a crooked generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, right? So, through our testimony, through our blameless testimony, um, we are to be lights in the world by obeying him and his word, by loving others outside of church and not treating them in a judgmental fashion, right? And this is how we change the world. It is not through policies, through government through voting even though those things are needed right once again be practical that's part of the system that we're in and that we live in and work in which is fine but that's not how we change the world jesus did not vote once i didn't hear anything in the new testament about him going to the polls him going to any rallies right um he changed it through loving others being ominous and most importantly obeying the will of his father obeying the will of his father as an example to us, right, of what we should do. And I think that that message has been lost in the church. The church I think is way, way, way too involved in politics. The lines have been blurred to the point that if you say you're a Christian and you're not Republican, you lose your salvation. right? And I'm not speaking politics up here, you know, whatever party you're at or whatever it may be. Now, should your values be in line with your political view? Yes. Your, 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 your biblical values, the principles of God, should be guiding how you vote, how you, make de- how you make decisions in life in general. Right? In general. Okay? Whether it's voting, whether it's a decision at home, in the family, in the community, wherever it is, it should be guiding that. Right? But, once again, the Lord never called the church to be a political monster, to be a political force, to change communities. You change communities through changing families, individuals, by preaching the gospel. And that changes the heart, and in that, it changes families and the communities as well. Because what is a community? A bunch of families, right? That work together and live together. And I think that's the most beautiful, we lost this in this nation, that we've lost that power that we have. We, the what, people, not we the government we have the power I think that's why we're one of the greatest nations not that it's perfect but we have the power to change right and back in the days most people were Christian at least by principle and were in the church and therefore the nation's values reflected that but now even the church has stopped studying the word of God and living the truth you know they have they have and sometimes we have to ask for forgiveness Right? And it's hard. It's hard because we've hurt so many people, both in the church and outside of the church. Right? And all we could do is repent, ask for forgiveness, and hopefully they will forgive us. But we need to love. Right? We need to see what's wrong and change it because that's why we're on this earth. Well, when this earth, listen, we, like I said in the beginning, we will fail, we will disappoint, we will fall, we will mess up over and over again. This whole life is about asking for forgiveness once and over and over and over, I don't know how many times I ask my kids for forgiveness in the family, and say, "I messed up. I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. Give me a second chance to try again." And should we forgive? Seventy times seven. I sometimes don't understand that, and sometimes I disagree with God for putting that in the Word because I'm like, "Lord, why?" Because <laughs> there's listen, and that's my nature talking, right? Your nature sometimes wants to what? knock somebody's block off huh so that's also a beautiful thing right it hurts, it hurts you a lot yeah yeah does the Lord forget no to say that the Lord forgets would say that he's lesser than that he is weak ah yes yes God yes but God knows all right now sometimes we need to remember that that God remembers all. He just doesn't hold it against you through the blood of Christ. And also, being wise as serpents, just because I forgive doesn't mean I have to forget the lesson that I was taught. Right? That's when it comes sometimes to trust. Like, in fam- in, 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 let's say in a family, right? In a, in a marriage, I'm sorry. If someone is unfaithful or does something, you might forgive, meaning I don't hold it against you but it's hard to forget and hard to build that trust that takes time right that takes time you can huh sometimes you can depending on the situation right but that's what that's what sanctification with fear and troubling every day right and when you hold that grudge it's only killing yourself too it's only no. That's what I'm saying, wise as serpents, right? Now forget, and sometimes you don't trust. You'll be like, wait up, I thought you forgave me. Yes, but I'm no fool, right? I'm no fool. Be wise as serpents, right? Um, but that's what we have to do, especially in the, the generation nowadays. We've heard a lot of people as a church, as a whole, right? When homosexuality went after the 60s, right? There were some churches that just went buck wild. I hate you homosexuals, you're all going to hell. Is it true? Yeah, <laughs> if you're unrepentant, yeah, any sin will send you to hell. Right? But where's the love? Where's the love? Why right? we have to show the love And sometimes they say, yeah, forgive me for the way you were treated. Some people have left the church, right, and came back years later because of that hurt. Listen, it happened in Paul's time. It's happening now. And guess what's going to happen 100 years from now? Why? because we're here, where there's people, there's sin, and there's problems and lack of perfection, until we reach glory. So, you looking at my sermon. That's the next point. <laughs> um, yes, I'll get to that. But so we are to obey God, right, in this crooked generation without grumbling or criticism and be the light and salt of the word especially our believers when it comes to the word of God sometimes we see the word of God whatever your relationship is in your church whatever it may be we put God first right And sometimes when we talk to unbelievers about God or the word we, we talk to them like it's a burden like oh yeah I had to go to church on Sunday it was such a beautiful day and I had to get up or I had to read the word this morning it was like oh God I'm so tired you know No. And then they're like, why would I want to join that? There's no joy in your heart to follow the Lord. Not even come to church, just follow the Lord. So, why? If there's no change in you, why am I going to follow that, right? So, remember, always without grumbling or complaining, right? Both in your heart and up here, following the Word of God. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what the circumstances. Our allegiance, our obedience is to the Lord. It's not to a congregation. It's not to a family. It's not to a church. It's not. It's to the word of God. Always. Some yeah. sometimes they don't. So obeying the word of God without grumbling, right? In your heart and in your mind. Philippians 2.16. Ultimately, what's the purpose? Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. The word here, holding fast, a better translation, is holding forth or offering something, right? And what do we offer? Uh, The word of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So live in a testimony within a perverse generation of not grumbling or criticizing. Why? So that we can present the gospel. Ultimately, that's our purpose. Ultimately, that's our purpose, to live a sanctified life so we have the opportunity to preach the gospel. Believer, that's your purpose in life. No matter what may be going on, that is your purpose in life. Is it harder to do at times? Yes, than others. But that's why we rely on the power of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, not our own power, right, to give us the opportunities to hold fast or give forth the word of life. And why do we do that? Well, Paul wanted to look back on the ministry, given to him by God, and in the day he meets Christ face to face, see that it was worthwhile, right? That he will rejoice on the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain, but I have done a good work, good work, faithful servant. And in Philippians two seventeen to 18, here he ends kind of this section when he's talking to the church of Philippi and how he rejoices in their service. And it says, yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. So here he's in jail once again being poured out as a drink offering um, in sacrifice for the service of their faith to minister to them and to minister to those lost souls outside. And he says, I find it a joy to do. And I rejoice as you rejoice with me that we're both in the same battle and we're rejoicing together. And now to end Philippians chapter 2, 19 and 30, we see two characters here, all right? One of them, you know, the other one, not as much. And we're going to go over 19 to 25 first, which you know this individual, you've heard him before. It says in verse 19 to 24, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall also come Shortly, right? So, in his absence, Paul sends his faithful son Timothy. So, those of you who do, do not know who Timothy is, he first met, and we see this in um, Acts chapter 16, he first met Timothy in the city of Lystra, a town highly indoctrinated by Greek mythology. By Greek mythology. And yet, Timothy was saved, as we know, um, by his biblical upbringing, right? By his mother and grandmother, right? That's why we so important, right? And thank you for all that. All of you that homeschool, I hold you in high regard. That you're teaching the Word of God to your children at home. But whether you're homeschooling or not, as a family, the first education, especially biblical education, starts at home, right? And in verse twenty, we saw that he trusted Timothy to visit Philippi and give him an honest report of how they're doing, right? The word here, kindred or like-minded means one soul so with Paul he was one in thought feeling and spirit with Paul in love for the church and the Lord and we see that Paul calls him in first Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 he calls him his faithful and beloved child in the Lord right beloved child in the in, in in the Lord and verse 21 like our sister Norma just says actually Norma I was getting to this point here for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, right? Trying to find someone who is like-minded like you. It's very difficult nowadays. And I'm not talking about the world, sometimes the church. There's a lot of healing to go on in the church to heal each other. But to find someone who's like-minded. Now, this was Paul, by the way. That, that's asking for a very high standard. I mean, Paul, the greatest Christian to ever lived. Intellectually, he was a beast amazing knew the word of God in and out the Old Testament right Um, knew the rituals Jewish culture he was Jewish as well Um, inside someone that loved the Lord like he did it was very difficult because all seek their own not the things which are of Christ Jesus which he spoke about yes last week right where Jesus Christ came down here and he put aside his glory right as king his privileges and honor so that he could serve us his creation and in verse 23 to 24, we see that Paul is trusting in the Lord to set him free from his physical bondage so that he may see the church and his brothers, right? Now, I love the about Paul. No matter what was going on, he always trusts in the Lord to take him out of that situation, right? Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly. And if I don't, I'll have the Lord use me here until he takes me. Right. No matter what my circumstances and the next individual. And we'll end with him. And I love his testimony, even though we just get a small glimpse of who this individual is, is is Epaphroditus. Um, Where it says, verse 25 to 30, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, that I may be less sorrowful. Receive, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life. To supply what was lacking in your service towards me so here we see an individual who was actually sent by the church of philippi a very faithful individual and when he got to paul he was actually very sick and he's actually talk about selfless his concern was not even about himself he said he was concerned about what his church thought they knew he was sick and it's like this poor church is worried they don't even know what's going on right because obviously back then there was no text, no internet or nothing. So they had to wait for word of how he was doing and he was worried about that because he knew his church was concerned about him. And, in, and we're going to see this later in chapter 4. It says, indeed, chapter 4, verse 18 of Philippians, it says, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received From Epaphroditus, the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So he had gifts from the church of Philippi that he gave to Paul, and his testimony was such uh, that first he says that his service here was like a sweet aroma to God. So whatever his disposition was, and and in the manner that he gave it to um, Paul, the gifts to Paul was a blessing to Paul even in jail, right? His name actually goes along those lines, too. His name means lovely or loving. Lovely or loving, right? And this is one of those men that we barely hear about in the Bible, but are of a good testimony, a wonderful example of leaving out their salvation or their life of holiness in fear and trembling. And in verse 29:30, it says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. The work of Christ, he came close to death. So that shows you his dedication to the Lord and to serving others. That he came to the point of death to serve Paul, right? In the ministry. And um, and Paul tells us a great example, and we leave with this: receive him therefore in the Lord, verse 29, with all gladness, and hold such men in its esteem. Right? So these are the people that we are to hold in high regard the people that are truly faithful to the lord these are people we should look up to and imitate not those who are living only for pleasure but those who are selfless and especially when it's done unto the lord right and we're going to end with first thessalonians along these same lines first thessalonians chapter 5 verses 12 to 13 and this is talking more about the pastors but it talks about anyone that's faithful to the lord right we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them. Once again, that word, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace amongst yourselves. For those of all who labor in the Lord, who truly labor in the Lord and admonish you sometimes to hold them in high esteem for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves, right? So these people we're supposed to imitate whether you're in your church or in the church just a brother in Christ and now we have idols right sports sports you know the, the, sports athletes and so on entertainers right our, our nation is becoming more and more like Rome where we're just engulfed by entertainment work is second entertainment is first we want to be entertained we're conditioned to be entertained right um, and, and we esteem these guys as high regard but the Lord is saying no that's not where esteem is that's what high regard is my high regard is those that are faithful to me those are the faithful ones those are ones kids you should imitate those faithful in the Lord man or woman but they're faithful to the Lord imitate them and follow their steps as Paul said a few times in his epistles what I do you do too because he lived the life of faithfulness to the Lord Right? imitate me Right? Don't idolize me but imitate me. Read the word, pray and live for him 100% without grumbling or criticism and being a light to the world. Forgiving, always forgetting the lessons that we learned, right? And being wise, right? But forgiving and loving as he loved us 70 times 7. Cuz like I said, we will continue to disappoint each other, to mess up, but that's what a family is church family or immediate family. We hurt each other. We disappoint each other, but we're still there because of the love we have for each other. And that's what we should continue to do. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash CBT hyphen sermons.